Okay, it is on. Good morning. <laughs> We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're kind of guest playing for you guys. So we tried to pick some songs that aren't too hard, but they are different and new and fun. So why don't you stand up and join us? <laughs> before so stick with us <laughs>
spirit in here a little bit a little bit hard and bluesy today <laughs> all right so I'm gonna say a quick prayer and we'll just stay standing after that and we'll really get into it <laughs> God thank you so much for this beautiful day this glorious wet sunshine liquid sunshine as we call it here in Humboldt we need that God and we're so grateful for it we're so grateful that we can all be here today to give you praise and worship you and uh, and just be together and share this time um, and learn some new things, hopefully, and I'm sure we will learn some new wonderful things and maybe even meet some new wonderful people and just uh, thank you for blessing us, for bringing us here together today. Amen. Feel free to put your hands together if you want. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. Just shall live by faith. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. I know that the just shall live by faith. I put my faith in Jesus with every step. He will guide my way and every breath. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, He says you will do great things indeed. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. Shall live by faith. Yes, I walk 
Mercy shines upon my face In everything I do I shout His praise Everywhere I go I walk by faith Well in the name of Jesus I walk by faith In the name of Jesus I walk by faith Yes in the name of Jesus I walk by faith I know that the church I live by faith. Bring it down now. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I walk by faith. I know that the church I live by faith. Bring it up now. got you going. <laughs> I wish we had three more just like that one. <laughs> but we are going to bring it down a little because we're about to get into the sermon and we want to do a little time of reflection and whew, shake it out. <laughs> I got to shake it out. <laughs> Shining in the light of your 
This morning, we want to take a moment just to bring our cares to God, to bring our gratitude to God as well, thinking about how good He is, how faithful He is, and being reminded of His love for us, and also remembering that He's there for us, that He's promised never to leave us, and that this morning, He could open our eyes in a new way to see Him and to see how much He loves us. Part of our, our worship and the way we do gratitude here at Branches also is through our giving and a chance to give back to God what He's given us. And so I want to take a moment to kind of open our hearts to say, God, you know, how would you help me or want me to play a part in bringing my resources to the grand work and big dream of God uh, here at Branches? So there's information about how to give here at Branches and making a difference with us here in the world, right here at Humble, in Arcata as well. And we can say, God, how do you want to use my time, my talent, my treasure for you? Uh, so let's make that our prayer in these moments, and then we'll sing this chorus out again. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you love us and that you know us every bit of our lives and that you hear us, all the challenges, all the triumphs and all the struggles, that you know them. And that, God, you welcome us to bring our whole selves to you. So, God, we bring our cares to you. And at the same time, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for your grace, for your faithfulness, for your love for us. And, God, we give back to you. We give to you in generous ways to your work here and around the world because of who you are. And that you give all things to us. And so, God, we want to be generous. Would you expand our hearts that we could be generous too. And even now, God, in these moments, as we open our hearts to you, as we sing out the 
words of this prayer this morning, that you would be high and lifted up. God, that our hearts would be open to you in a new way today. In Jesus' name, let's sing together. Open the eyes. Let's make it our prayer this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Well, hey, turn and greet someone near you, if you would. Welcome them to Branches today. Tell them you're glad they're here. That would be awesome. Amazing job, you guys. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome, welcome everyone. This is so cool. I love it. I love it. Keep those convos going. I mean, don't let me interrupt. This is so cool. I love it. You guys, can we give it up one big time for the band this morning? Claire Bent and the amazing band today. Oh, man, we are so grateful uh, for them. You might, not, you might know this, but you might not, but Claire Bent uh, also has her uh, father playing drums. Who doesn't want to play drums in their daughter's band? Like, how cool is that? So anyway, such a fun uh, just gift for us, such a treat for us. Uh, to get to have just this like amazing um, musicianship here in the house this morning. So we're, we're so stoked and welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Yes, I do want to say kids programs are happening today. So your kid programs going on right now. There's young kids uh, and upstairs and then downstairs we've got our what's it called? It's called the underground. Yeah, our older kids group. The underground is happening this morning right beneath us. So Follow them out that way if you've got kids. Uh, man, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, the, I'm Justin, and we're here. We're, we're branches. This is our, boy, well, it's our very first January. Uh, it's it's our, our first January together as a church. We started just a couple months ago. So all of this is new as we is just kind of follow and explore and take the ride uh, that God is leading us on together as a community. So I'm just so grateful uh, for you just being a part of it with us. If you're brand new, we just want to especially welcome you. Thank you so much for checking us out. We want to offer you a free espresso drink at the coffee cart. Okay, so if you're brand new, just say, hey, it's my first time free a coffee at the espresso bar, and, uh, and it would just be fun to get to thank you for, for checking us out. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, we are, we're, we're, we're stoked about this new year together, a brand new, fresh start uh, together. And so many of us thinking of this year as a fresh start. What are the new things that we want to orient our lives around? And we thought, what better than to create this new series together called Start with Jesus. Uh, no better place than to start with Jesus. What's Jesus about? And, and in fact, we celebrated Jesus' birth at Christmas, right? So just a few weeks ago, all of the, all of the world, most of the world, right, celebrated this momentous moment, Jesus born in Bethlehem. And sometimes we kind of just move on real quick from that moment. And I thought instead, why don't we follow the story of Jesus a bit? Why don't we kind of explore what, what happened next? You know, what, what happened after he was born? There's not a lot in the Bible that talks about his life from ages zero to around 12-ish. Um, so there's these years that are a little mysterious. What was Jesus like as a three-year-old, you know, a two-year-old, a five-year-old? And, and, and the Bible tells us that Jesus lived this perfect life, never disobeying God or disobeying his parents, always loving, never selfish, never saying, I want that toy better than my toy. What's a five-year-old like who does that? You know, I mean, I don't know what that would look like, you know, to, to be a child uh, in that way. But here's Jesus marking out this new way of being. And, and so we, we wonder, what's it like, you know, as him as a young child? We do know that about early in his life, a few days in, he was dedicated at the temple. So they prayed for him and, and dedicated him as just the tradition and the custom was back in that day, which is a great segue to the invite of child dedications right here at Branches next Sunday. So a week from today, next Sunday, we're going to have our very first ever Branches child dedications right here. And we're just going to invite people that if you have a young child uh, that's never been prayed over before in a church community like this, we want to welcome you to, to bring them on up. Um, and we're going to just line folks up here like this with their babies and young children. And we're just going to say a prayer for them together. You guys will, you can stay in your seats and we'll just pray these prayers toward them. We'll, we'll also commit together to help support these parents and to encourage them as they raise their kids in a way that would help them point to God's love and the freedom and the, 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 the life that's found in Jesus. And so we want to pray for them in that way and just kind of dedicate these kids. And it's a way to celebrate, too, the growth of branches because every new child that gets in our community is like another uh, member of branches too. So it's like, all right, let's, yeah, you're getting excited about how uh, God is growing this community. So that's going to happen. So you need to email my wife, Heidi, at brancheshumboldt.org because Heidi will put all the names together. And that way, when we introduce the, the children, uh, we'll have the names right and hopefully the phonetic, you know, the spelling and we can say it and introduce them well. And so, um, so write in your e send in some emails, let us know uh, who you want to include in that. And we're just super excited about child dedications uh, one week from today. So yeah, we're stoked about that. Well, 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 that's what happens. Jesus gets dedicated and then there's this gap all these years. And the next place that he shows up is in Luke 2. And the first sentence is recorded that Jesus says when he's around 12. And it's a sentence that, just like if you know the teachings of Jesus and the way Jesus is, it's a sentence that's a question. It poses a question that challenges. It challenges like everything. In fact, our response to that question shapes our entire life. 
Of course, just leave it up to Jesus, right? At 12 years old to say one sentence that shapes everything, that declares who he is, what he's about, and shapes the way uh, that, that we respond uh, to him. It challenges us and also invites us in some cool ways. And so I want to look at that sentence with you guys. I want to look at that story with you guys this morning and see what he might say to us. How might we respond together? Uh, so what happens is Jesus is 12. He's, he's going with his parents to this festival. And it's in Luke 2, um, verses, Luke 2, verses 41. And it's kind of a few verses here as we kind of unpack this little snapshot in Jesus's early life. Okay, so it starts out like this. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover meal. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Okay, so here's the setup, right, to the story. This is this dramatic moment where Jesus gets lost in the shuffle on this multi-day trip to the festival. And it wasn't uncommon for sometimes the men to travel in a big group and the women to travel in another group. And these large family relationships. And it could have been very common that maybe the guys thought Jesus was with them. And the ladies thought Jesus was with them. And they just didn't know. And here's this whole gap in time. They can't find him. And they do find him. And he's in the temple. Jesus is listening and teaching in the temple as a 12-year-old. And everyone's amazed at his wisdom, his understanding, his answers. But his parents, they're just regular parents. They don't know what to think. And they're frantic, right? They're so stressed. I don't know if you've ever lost a child before. <laughs> you don't want to admit it, right? You don't want to admit it. Um, but we have a pretty funny story about that. And so I wanted to invite my wife, Heidi, up, um, who's only lost one child before. No, just joking. Yeah. We have four. We have four children. They're all still alive and found to this he day. Just... But this one was kind of funny for us. Yeah, he just sprung this on me. He's like, you tell it. You know it better. She knows it like, better. Wow. She tells the story all the time. It's so good. I do tell it a lot because it is kind of funny, but it's kind of yeah, sad, too. Yeah, a light. Okay. Yeah. So we have four kids, so right. we did lose them frequently. And um, <laughs> you lost them more than I did. But what? no, she's like, <laughs> so what happened was, was uh, we had just had Kennedy. So Kennedy was a brand newborn. We had moved into this new condo. So we were just still figuring out the place. And so I, I was taking a nap, and I had put my son down. So we had an older daughter, and then we had, our son was two, and then we had this newborn. And so what happened was, is I put him down for a nap, then I laid down for a nap. And then I was, you know, laying there kind of half asleep. And then I heard, like, is this where you live? And I was like... 
like, what did I just hear? So I just like ran up, like got up super fast and like opened the door. And sure enough, Brendan was standing there uh, holding the hand of like a neighbor. So he had opened the door, gotten out of the house, closed the door, opened the door, and then went like probably not half a mile, but like to the other side of our condo complex. And then thankfully, miraculously, this mom like grabbed him and she kind of knew that we had just moved in. And so I, I, my first thought was like, you should keep him. Like, you know, like <laughs> obviously like I cannot handle this and yes, yeah, too much, you know. But um, she was really sweet and we became good friends and she gave Brenda back to me and, and didn't call the police. Yeah, so, yeah, that was yeah. the biggest, the biggest. That reason. probably was the worst. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. but I was thinking though about how many people don't, uh, you might not have kids, and so that idea of losing a child, maybe you've had to maybe babysit or watch a child, and that's stressful too. Yeah. But also that same frantic feeling that Mary and Joseph are feeling can also happen when we lose something that we care about, like something special, maybe something valuable or or sentimental to you, and you're like looking for it. You know, you're scourging the house trying to find this thing, and there's that feeling of loss that tension that you feel. And, and Heidi has another great story about just that too. So I thought she yeah. gotta tell this story. Sure. And you tell it so much better than me. Yeah, well what happened was, um, <laughs> I, I had actually saved a lot of money to buy myself a class ring in high school. And so I was at a summer camp and I had just graduated and I was like getting ready for bed and I had put the ring on my necklace to kind of keep it safe. Um, I was in the top bunk, and so I, and I, like, I had, like, I loved this class ring. Like, I had, you know, saved probably, like, like, probably six months to buy it, and if any of you know, like, class rings are expensive. And so I put it on the necklace, but as I was doing that, the necklace fell, and my necklace and the ring fell, and I couldn't find it. And so just everybody was looking, and it was it was weird because it had just dropped straight. And I was like, where could it have gone? You know, it was it was really a mystery. And so I was like, I can't find it. I was super sad, and I was like, oh well, you know. And so then, like months later, someone just comes knocking on my parents' door months later and said, hey, um, I was wondering if Heidi Fox or Heidi. My maiden name, Heidi Huss, lives here, and so they they were uh, they said, yeah, yeah, my Heidi lives here. She's I was at college at the time, and they said, well, you're never gonna believe it, but I was digging in the sand at that same complex, and I found your class ring, and I found her class ring, and because my name was engraved in it, and they had called the high school, and they had said, hey, and they gave our our address and phone number, and so. Yeah, it was just like all totally. All before the internet. Yeah, all before. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how my ring ended up in the sandbox at the same complex. Like I don't know. Like I kept trying to think. Like how did that happen? You know, someone took it. But yeah, that was exactly. a lost and found story. A well, lost they and both found. were. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Thank you, Heidi Fox. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Right. So we all have those similar stories, these similar stories, losing something. And here's Mary and Joseph, and they're stressed out, and they're like, we lost our child. And they find, the, they find Jesus, and then Jesus' response, Jesus' response is this, this sentence, this one question, and, and it's powerful. Here's how Jesus uh, responds. In verse 48, Jesus says, no, 49, Jesus says, but why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know that I must be 
in my father's house. That's it. That's his one sentence. Why did you need to search? Didn't you know I need to be in my father's house? And in this one sentence, Jesus describes who he is in a big way because the remember Mary and Joseph? Mary says, your, your father and I have been looking for you. And Jesus says, but I need to be in my father's house. And there's this tension, this like, this like kind of conflict that Jesus sets up. That in a way, he's saying, yeah, you're my parents, Mary and Joseph, but my father, yeah, you're my father in a way, Joseph, but my father in heaven, my, my, fa- my real father is my, is my father in heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm your son, Mary and Joseph, but I'm the son of God, is what he's declaring. And in a big way, he's, he's like shaping his identity. Right off the top, his very first sentences are saying, he's the son of God. And Mary and Joseph are caught in that tension right there of like, Wow, so we're his parents, but he's got this other father, this father in heaven. And, he, and Jesus says, don't you know I need to be in my father's house? You know, this, uh, this identity that Jesus sets up right away sets him apart from any other religious leader or ethicist or moral teacher. And a lot of secular historians would say Jesus is a great figure among many other historical figures. But Jesus doesn't let us have that option. His very first sentence, Jesus says, no, I'm not just a regular person. I'm the son of God. My father is in heaven. This, this gathering of believers, this is my father's house. And this is what I'm, where I'm supposed to be. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis famously says, Jesus, the way he describes himself, he's, he's either a liar and just totally, you know, snowballing, or he's a lunatic. He's just, he's just crazy. Or he's Lord. Like, there's really no other option. He's a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. And he doesn't really give us an option to kind of find a middle ground and say, well, he's, he's just probably a good teacher. He's probably just a good guy. Because right off the top, he's describing who he is in such dramatic ways that he's the son of God. Paul describes Jesus' identity in such a cool way in the book of Philippians, in this poetic uh, kind of almost a song, and I, I wanted to read it for us this morning because it, it's, it's powerful. In, in Philippians 2, this is what, uh, this is, what is said of, of Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, so this is like, there's no middle ground here, right? Jesus' identity is described in, in such powerful ways in this sentence. The Son of God. And, and for us, our response shapes our entire relationship with God. Our response to that truth. Do we, do we recognize Jesus' authority? You know, how do we respond to his claims that he is the Son of God? And that, and that shapes how we relate to God and to Jesus right off the top. But Jesus doesn't 
only challenge us with his identity in this sentence. He also challenges us with his, his, uh, what he's about, what his mission is. So he says he's supposed to be in his father's house. And some translations say, about my father's business. That being in the father's house isn't a geographical context. It's actually a verbal phrase. It's, a, it's an action word. Jesus says, I need to be about my father's house. I need to be about my father's business. So Jesus challenges us in his personhood, right, his identity, and in his priorities. Jesus says, my priority is to my father and his mission for my life. I'm following my father in heaven. Jesus says to Mary and Joseph, yeah, I'm going to follow you as your child. I have this priority to be a good son and to honor my mother and father, but my greater priority is to follow God and to be a part of his mission and what he's calling me to do. And so there's another challenge right in there, this, this, this priorities, this mission. Jesus challenges uh, his parents with that, you know, um, and, and it, it must be sort of similar to maybe some of us, if you've had a child who maybe you've been just blessed with a, a child who wants to follow God in maybe some radical ways and, and to, to step out in their life, you know, in, in some, some big sort of adventurous ways. And we as parents, we can sometimes kind of pull them back. You know, we want to hold tight and grip tight and say, oh, I'm a little scared. I don't want to let you go and do your thing, you know, because uh, yeah, I'm a little fearful. And that's natural. One of those things we want to try and control and grip tight to. You know, and, and, and for me, I remember so clearly that moment that I told my parents that I felt like God was leading me to be a pastor. I mean, my parents were Christians, but I'm the oldest of five boys, and, you know, I'm the firstborn, and so I'm like, you know, the first one to graduate from high school, first one to go to college, the first one to have some illustrious, famous career, you know, that's what my parents were hoping <laughs> would happen. You know, they wanted me to be this, like, you know, world-renowned, you know, surgeon or, like, you know, a lawyer guy or international diplomat or something, you know. And, and that's natural. We, we want that, you know, for our kids. And I was a, a major in, in English at college, and I remember in my dorm room, sophomore year, calling up my dad and saying from the payphone in the dorm hall and saying, Dad, I'm thinking about changing my major to English, changing it to church leadership and being like a pastor guy, something like that in the church. And I was kind of nervous. What would they say? Uh, but my dad was just so encouraging. And he's just like, oh, that's so cool, Justin. I see that passion in you too. I see those interests in your heart. And, you know, go for it. You know, we're behind you all the way. The church is going to be lucky to have you. You know, all those encouraging words. And I, it felt like such a relief that my parents were open to that idea to, to send me out in kind of a non-conventional way. You know, we, we have this opportunity in our own lives to, to, to trust God with, with, with our children, with the things in our life, when, when those, wanna, those of us want to step out and, and follow God. And, and then this priority thing relates to us, too. And what are the things that we prioritize? What's our priority in life? One of my new friends, Ken, challenged me this week. He said, what you prioritize, you will do. You know, it's like, oof, like that hit me so hard. I'm still wrestling with that. What you prioritize, you will do. What does the shape of our life look like right now? What does the shape of your life look like? What do you do? And, and how do your priorities line up with that? And sometimes we can like, you know, we can 
you know, backtrack and go, oh, I guess I'm doing this. That must mean my priorities are this, and I didn't want that. I want my priorities to be this. What does that look like? How do we follow that challenge? And Jesus' challenge is to, to follow him, to put his priorities, these priorities of following God, over the priorities of our culture and the society and the norms uh, that we kind of all swim in. Um, and we have these two challenges here about Jesus's, who he is and what, he, what he's called to do. But these challenges give way to an invitation. And I, I love how this story ends because this next verse, right after Jesus makes this bold statement, here's, here's what happens next. In verse 50, it, it, the parents, Mary and Joseph, that says, but they didn't understand what he meant. But then they, he returned, Jesus, returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. I love how this story ends because Luke, the writer here, wants to encourage us and point us to this fact that Jesus is quick to obey his parents. You know, he wants to honor his father and mother. He's going to return to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And I love that phrase that his mother stored all these things in her heart. It reminds me of those early passages in the Christmas story when Mary stores these things in her heart. She ponders all that's going on, treasures all that's happening. And, they, and she doesn't understand it. It's so interesting that the parents, Mary and Joseph, they didn't understand what he meant. Um, and yet, I think this is a picture of trust. These parents trusted Jesus. They trusted the process that God was up to in their lives. They didn't understand it all, but they trusted anyway. And, and that's such a challenge and an invitation for us in our lives. We have this invitation to trust God with our lives, to trust him even though we don't understand it all. And we never really will understand it all. There's always going to be this sense of mystery in the walk of faith. And yet, we, we have this invitation to trust God, to trust the process with what God is up to in our lives, just like Mary and Joseph did. You know, when we trust God, we get a chance to take our gripped, tight, clenched fists that we are holding on to things that we want to control, things in our life like, you know, our relationships, our, our future, our finances, our health, um, our careers, whatever, and we want to grip tight and think, I'm in control of this. But it's such an illusion because we're not really in control of those things, and yet we think we are, and then we get so frustrated when it's obvious that we're not. And yet if we were to open our hands and trust God with those things, and say, God, I might not understand. I might be caught in the mystery of all this, but I want to trust you uh, that you know what you're doing in my life. I want to trust you with my relationships. I want to trust you with my finances, trust you with my future, my career, who, who you've called me to be, the journey that you have me on, to trust you. And when we trust God like that, the, the exchange for us is all good. It's joy. It's peace. It's these things that we're all longing for, and we get them when we open our hands to God and trust him, that he's, he's faithful, and he's good, and he loves us so much. But it's, it's a risk, right? It's a step of faith to trust him like that. Jesus modeled that kind of trust. In the, near the end of his life and mission, he would model that trust in the biggest ways possible. Jesus would take this mission that God had given him all through his life, and as it got down to the wire, when Jesus was going to offer his own life 
as a sacrifice for us in our place. His own perfect, flawless life. He was going to willingly lay it down in our place because we could never, in our own efforts, be good enough or holy enough or righteous enough to connect to God and relate to God as friends. Jesus walks in our place. And, and as he's ready to lay his life down in this and sacrifice his life on a cross, he prays that prayer in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you know the story, it's such a passionate moment where Jesus says, if there's any way I could get out of this, I'd really like that. But if not, I'm going to follow your will. I'm going to trust you all the way to the end. And he does. And he goes through with it for us. And then he rises again and we, we celebrate this resurrection life that he offers for us. That he hands this invitation to us because of his grace and this gift of his mercy. And so we have this chance to, to respond in trust. To trust him. You know, this morning I, I thought it would be so cool. It's so fun to have Claire and the band uh, this morning with us. And I thought it'd be neat to kind of hear a little bit more of Claire's story because here's a person who has this obvious God-given gift of musicianship, this artistic gift that you can tell it's not, it's not as much crafted and strived to create. It's God-given. It's like just comes out of her like this, this gift that's from God. And, and so how, how interesting to consider the gifts that we have from God, the way he's shaped us, how do we trust him with that? What's it like to, to kind of give that to God? It's a journey for all of us. It's a, a two steps forward, one step back. It's a, a journey of grace and mercy that God has for us, but it's still a step of faith. Each step, the step of faith. And so I thought it'd be cool if, if we just, in these last couple of moments before we sing a final song, heard a little bit from Claire, and I talked her into a little interview moment right now. So could we welcome Claire Bent up one more time and welcome her? Yeah. So cool. So yeah, yeah, feel free. Use that mic there. You can take it off the stand, I suppose. Um, uh, the que so yeah, so I'm not nervous at all. Are you not? Okay, good, good, good. Um, I, I, I'm right, because like, I was thinking, you, you've got this amazing journey, this amazing story, and we want to hear, hear a bit of it. But just to, as a setup, um, oh, good, good. So you, you've taken this journey uh, through your life toward trusting God, you know, with your art, with your music. Um, I mean, just what's that been like? And for you, when you trust God and you have those moments of trust, what's the thing that you get back? Is it joy? Is it peace? What, what are those experiences for you in trusting God? That is not a question that you told me you were going to ask oh, me. Oh, shoot. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trust God right now. Yes, see? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to go on this side here, so I'm going to give you more space. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. you can come right into the light right here. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? Yeah, so, so what's that been like, trusting God trusting, you yeah. know, along the way? Uh, yeah, what, what well, you, you I, yeah, like you said, you know, it is, it is, a, is a gift, you know, yeah. I, I, and I've always known that, and my parents always said that, obviously, you know, that's just... It, you know, and that's kind of a blessing and a curse. I never really had to practice singing that much. I mean, I yeah. did, but you know, sure. it was like it just always was there. So that's uh, yeah, it's really been a gift, and and it's a gift to get to share it. You know, and I think that's you know that's how I trust God is just you know knowing that he, even if I don't think I'm using my gift to help somebody, you know, uh, I don't know how it's going to help some, but, you know, I just trust that God is going to 
use it to help somebody and yeah. uh, you know not just not to help somebody, but just to just to bring joy into people's lives that's that's mm -hmm. what it does for me is you know yeah. getting to spread the joy that singing brings me just it's like wow other people come up and are just full of smiles after i sing oh yeah. that's so great i'm like oh that, that's right. awesome i'm just so happy that i made you happy and yeah you know that's so cool yeah, yeah i love it i love it um we're going to get to hear a song you wrote as we close our time together this morning, and I love it. And I, you gave me a little funky little recording on a phone, yes. and it was so cool. And I've been singing it all these weeks Aww. in my heart. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and so I've been, you know, I'm thinking about some of the lyrics, and the, the sort of the theme is that, you know, God, you worked a miracle in me. And I just thought, you know, you don't unpack that in the song, but I thought maybe if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what that's about. Is it a particular story? Where does that come from? Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, pretty particular. Um, I mean, you know, I wrote it thinking, you know, everybody can relate to that, you know? Everybody has some miracle that if, if you know God, then there has been a miracle just for you to know God is a miracle, you know? So, but for me specifically, that miracle was, uh, you know, I went through cancer all last year. I had like, st well, they couldn't really stage it. They said at least high three, if not stage four. So I went through cancer all last year and chemo and all the stuff and it was, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna get too into it because I'll get, <laughs> but um, it was rough. <laughs> but um, they're just all along the, all along the way were so many little miracles that God kept doing and kept showing up. And, you know, and my dad loves the phrase like, oh, well, here comes the man with the wheelbarrow. There was always something would come up and it was like this brick wall is getting built in front of us. This man's coming in like, oh, I'm going to build a brick wall here and stop you and make everything horrible again. Mm. And every time that happened, God would be like, no, <laughs> I'm breaking down that wall. I'm going to make another miracle happen. Everything mm. is fine. You're okay. I'm going to get you through this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, at the end of the journey, um, my oncologist was saying how, you know, it is nothing short of a miracle. I, I kept saying to her, you know, I've got so many people praying for me. So that is how I know that it's going to be okay. And at the end, she was like, it's, it's amazing where you are. You look like a completely different person. Your scan's like... It's nothing short of a miracle, Claire, that you're alive, so. Yeah, yeah. I love it, I love it. So cool. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. You know, you talk about um, God's word being a fountain of peace in this song. And as we think about the, the connections, just the benefits, the value we get when we connect with God, uh, for you, kind of maybe unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, when I'm writing a song, and I'm sure there's other songwriters out here or poetry writers, whatever, sometimes you, you're just kind of like going with the flow and writing stuff, and you just write something because you're like, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So when you first asked me that, I was like, I don't know. I just thought it sounded good. <laughs> it sounded cool. Uh, it sounded cool. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know, that's just a fountain. Your word is a fountain of peace. I think that's something I experience in the same way as everybody else, you know. Uh, 
maybe from your own reading in the Bible or somebody else might share something with you that they read or um, you know so you get those little like daily word things and you'll flip through like oh what's today's word and you read it and sometimes it's just like oh my gosh that's like oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear right now you know yeah. so yeah just kind of that like your word is a fountain of peace it's just like man it, God will give you the word, the exact words you need when you need it. And that's just such a source of like comfort and peace. Yeah. And, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Last question. In the same song, you say, all my burdens and troubles I can now release. And when we're talking about releasing our troubles to God, and I'm talking about trust and the benefits of trusting God um, for you. Yeah. How, how, how so? How does that relate for you to uh, trusting God? Um, another one you didn't tell me you were going to ask. Okay. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just, I mean, I think it, that's very, um, that's very self-explanatory, you know, just, uh, yeah, that, that's all a part of trusting God is just, just knowing to uh, let go and let God, something my husband says mm -hmm. all the time, let yeah. go and let God, you know, yeah. just, you just got to be able to, I'm not in control. I, nothing about this is under my control. So I'm just going to have to let go of it and trust that God is going to figure it out and work it all for some amazing end point that I have no clue what that is, but he does. Yeah. So just trust. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, so cool. Well, I want to say a prayer for you and the band and, and say a prayer for us. And I'll give you guys a chance for the band to come on up for this last song. Um, so would you guys join me in a, in a moment of prayer here as the band gets ready? Yeah, come on up, band. And, and let's pray. Would you guys join me in this moment of prayer? God, I do pray right now for this, just this amazing group of people here this morning. Um, the band, all of us here in this vet's hall this morning, I, I pray, God, that by your grace, by your mercy, uh, that you would open our eyes as we've been singing this morning to your goodness and to the invitation to trust you. Uh, God, for those of us that are wrestling with your question this morning that you posed as a young child, this question of who you are and what you're about, I pray, God, that you would draw us to the truth of who you are and, and what you're about, and that, God, you would show us how we can align our life around the priorities of yours. God, priorities that will bring us peace, that will bring us joy as we orient our lives towards you. God, I pray for those that are even wrestling with faith, even right now, what it is to trust you, Jesus. And I, I pray right now that you, your Holy Spirit, would just stir in their hearts, God, today. And that they would have this courage to take that first step, to, to trust you. Even though it's not everything is understood, even though there's a sense of mystery in all of it still, that you would encourage us uh, to take that step of faith. And that Jesus, you, in your awesome way, you would show up and meet each and every person here this morning with your love, with your truth and with your, your peace and the joy that comes from knowing you and following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's take these last moments to sing together. I invite you, if you're able, why don't you stand if you're able, and Claire, lead us as we sing.
bless you guys as you take off a final prayer as you leave this morning and invite you next Sunday, a week from today, we'll be right here again. Child dedications. I've got a full band as well. It's going to be an amazing morning and we can't wait 
uh, to be together again. This blessing is from Psalm, uh, Proverbs 3 and 5. You might know it. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings and acknowledge him in all your ways and he's going to direct your paths and make them straight. And so that's our prayer for you this morning. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Oh, the band's going to rock out a song, so stick around if you want to do some dancing. Yeah, come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. This place I'm living How far is heaven? Now I just gotta have some faith Just keep on living How far is heaven? Yeah, no one can tell me How far is heaven? Just gotta know how far How far is heaven?
Thank you, guys. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.